Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's a good day to be alive. Can I get an amen to that? We got breath in our lungs today. What a miracle. It's the truth. I'm going to take another sip of water here. All right. Jared, thanks for being the best back there. Isn't he such a gift? He is. Just a little shout out for just a moment as we think about today and being the body of Christ. Um, Just a little bit of as we come together as one, the different things that take place. And Karen, she's up there and you probably can't see her super well right now. And she's right there. Can you wave your hand, Karen? She's been up there. She's been running the words. And I was just talking to her. I'm like, your role is so important. If Karen wasn't up there, we'd have a hard time during worship. We'd be sitting there like, what am I trying to sing? I don't know these words. And But it shows the value and the importance of each person and what we bring. What she's doing literally opens up. I might need a cough drop or something. I had like a little tickle in my throat. Yeah, mom's got it. She's got her doTERRA drops. She's got the real deal. Thank you so much, mom. Isn't she the best? She's love incarnate. Thank you, mama. Sorry, I felt that for a second, and I'm like, we might have that tickle for a little bit, so it's going to get better. There we go. All right, but the reality of what we do, everything has importance. As Karen's up there, she's serving. She gives her yes. She comes early. She gets here at least 930, if not before, and she's up there. She's making sure everything is laid out word-wise for us to be able to worship, which for her, she can worship during it but it's a a little bit harder. She has to be focused. What comes next? What am I to do? When the message is going, she's going to be listening extra intently because I have a bunch of verses, but by her doing that, her obedience, it facilitates a whole level of worship for us that blesses us dearly, right? So in the house of God, so thank you, Karen, for your yes and everyone else who serves that way. Right now we have our live stream team. That's amazing. There's, we got two on cameras up there, and then we have Tracy McAllister. She's up. You can't see her at all because she's all the way at the top. There's a hand, but you probably can't see it. She's up there. She's controlling. There's a computer with different cameras, different screens, and the whole time she's directing, paying very close attention, and it all has purpose because now we have our live stream community. We have people in other states that are being able to encounter Jesus together with us, and it all has value. It's so fun. The house of God is beautiful. When you walked in today, you had people greet you, didn't you? You had a smiling face, someone who shook your hand, waved at you, made you feel welcome, made all of a sudden the crazy car ride, the kids being stressful, all of that. Maybe the disagreement happened in the car ride because the girl was late getting ready and the husband had to be patient and wait. Or is that just my scenario all the time? There's all these situations that come in. We walk in the door and we all have a beautiful role with one purpose in mind. We want people to encounter Jesus. 
And that's, that's the beauty of the house of God. In this, the worship team, they came 8.30, a little bit before. They practiced throughout the week. They practiced on Wednesday. And they came together to worship so that we could, as one, love on Jesus together. Isn't it the best? And we're all really different. We're very different. We have, you know, our breakthrough teams that took place throughout the week. If you don't know that, our breakthrough ministries is amazing. It's like inner healing and deliverance. And they, Tuesdays and Thursdays, they'll have appointments. And they go for a long time. And they're amazing. And it all is a part under one vision for us to encounter Jesus. Very different facets, different ways that it happens, but it all leads to people encountering Jesus. Our intercessors meet every Wednesday. They intercede. They're praying about what's going to happen right now, what happens throughout the week. They stand in the gap for those of us who are struggling, and it all matters to the Lord. And it's a beautiful thing. And that's why I just love, I love the church. I do. I love her. She's beautiful. She's wacky sometimes. She's beautiful. You know, it's true. Like, the church is a beautiful place, and some people have had really not fun experiences. But when we begin to walk in God's design for his church, there is nothing like it. I mean, it is so fun being here throughout the week. I love it so much because once our schools start up, Tuesday through Thursday, we have VCA, so kindergarten through eighth grade. So like on a Wednesday, especially, you'll walk in and you have these cute little kindergartners that they, they walk by and they wave at you and they're the best. And then you have the teenagers, they walk by and they're the best. Then you walk down the hallway, most days, they are the best. And then you walk down the hallway and all of a sudden you hear our intercessory team, our Wednesday morning prayer, and they're singing and they're shouting and they're declaring all these things. And it all happens under one house, one roof. Very unique. You're being taught math. You're being, someone's being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's awesome. There are times where there's beautiful things. We have our kindergartners in here and they're singing a song. And then you have someone who's having deep inner healing taking place. and They're getting set free all at the same time. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's wild. It's God's design. And now I'm going to get a tissue and spit this out. Because I could tell that I was making noises in a microphone, and that is not okay. All righty. So I give that little intro for today. What I really felt the Lord put on my heart was to go over what it looks like to walk in God's design of blessing. And so we're going to go over some basic biblical principles that bring blessing. Very basic principles that the Lord has established that bring his blessing. Uh, Basic principles of being a Christian and being a disciple of Jesus. Because in this room, we have some people who literally just gave their life to Jesus And we have some that have been running with the Lord for 80 plus years, which is amazing. 
It's a beautiful thing, but there are basic principles that we're going to go over. And before going into that, I, I'm someone who, there, there are some words that I might share today that might kind of poke at some people a little bit wrong because of bad experiences and because of wrong definitions. And so when I share words like submission, unity, principles, it's, it has a beautiful and a safe meaning to me because God's definition is good. Because like it says in Jeremiah 29, 29:11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans, plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. So we know that God's plans for us are for us to prosper, right? And he's a good dad. And so he goes, children, I'm going to make this really clear. Here in this book, it will lead to life. And God displays some very basic principles for us that actually lead to blessing, that lead to safety, that lead to goodness, that lead to transformation, all because he's a good dad who cares. So that's what we're going to go over today. Sound good? Hallelujah. All right. Exodus 20, verse 12. This is the first commandment with a blessing. Honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land that the Lord your God has given you. So when you honor your father and mother, what's your promise? Long, full life in the land that the Lord's given you. So honor equals blessings. So kids, if they're in here, you want to live a long, full life, honor your mommy and daddy. The parents said, amen. But it's true because it comes with a blessing. In Matthew 10, verse 41, it says, If you receive a prophet as one who speaks from God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive, a righteous, if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. So if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward, a righteous man, a righteous reward. So honor actually pulls in blessings. So here in Valley Church, a thing that you might hear, especially if you've gone through our Next Steps class, which is if you've come in and you're like, I want this to be my home church, we have a thing called Next Steps where you get to learn more about our heart, our DNA. And we talk about a culture of honor. And we don't just say, hey, we want a culture of honor because it's a good thing. We want a culture of honor because there's biblical principles and blessings to it. When we walk in honor, we're actually positioning ourselves to receive blessings from the Lord. So what does that look like practically? Because I can say culture of honor, and that doesn't maybe, it, it just sounds nice. In this house, how we've chosen to walk in a culture of honor, what Pastor Tim just demonstrated, before I came up to speak, he honored me. And I felt very blessed. But he said, hey, this is who she is. These are the giftings she has on her life. And in that, he was honoring me. And we have a church that's amazing. We stand up, we celebrate, we cheer. We like to practically do things. But in doing that, you're not just doing it to be like, woohoo, a pastor, yeah. 
Because that's garbage. That's how we get superstar Christianity, and that doesn't work. We've seen that, right? Yeah, there's moral failures. No, what we're doing is we say, no, this is who God's made you to be, and I see that, and I honor that, and I'm going to honor who God's called you to be. And in that, we receive eyes to see who they really are, and we get to receive the giftings and the graces that God has put on their life. So when I began to recognize Brooke as someone who walks in incredible creativity, she's prophetic, she has a mother's heart, she is gifted in every way, all of a sudden it was like, wow, this woman's amazing. And actually, our women's ministry got blessed big time. There was practical blessings that came with it because her strength and her gifting then poured into many other women how many people received one of, how many ladies in this room have one of the keychains that came from Brooke? Yes. So there was practical gift and blessing even in that of saying, hey, this is who she is. I'm going to honor this about you. Does that make sense? So it's very practical. And it, relationally, it changes everything. Because then we're not in competition anymore. It's, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to honor every gift. When, when Pastor Rich comes up, you know that he has an incredible teaching gift. So when you see him as an incredible teacher, you're lining yourself up as a student to receive. Right? Versus a big thing that honor actually kills and defeats is a critical spirit. When we choose to walk in honor, it absolutely demolishes the critical and cynical attitude. Because if I'm sitting here and I'm going, hmm, you're young, you're a woman, what all do you know? Which you could think that. You're probably not going to receive very much, right? So that's flesh that comes in versus, okay, this is what was said about her. I'm going to honor, you know, she was trusted to be on the platform. Let's see. Versus prove yourself. There's, there's different attitudes. There's prove yourself attitude or there's, I'm going to honor you. I'll eat the meat and I'll spit out the bones. There's differences. It's a heart posture and it's healthy. As a body, I'm talking about this because we need it. It's very important. The Lord sets this up and he, he teaches us these principles so that we can truly walk in unity. And it's the most beautiful thing. Bill Johnson a lot of you probably saw this. It's been going all around the internet. He shared because he's amazing. One of the things he said was, a spirit of offense gives you the ability to hear things that were not said. An example would be, yeah, a spirit of offense gives you the ability to hear things that weren't really said. So a good example of that would be if my husband was to say to me, honey, you look beautiful today. But if I'm walking in a spirit of offense, I'll take it as I don't look beautiful every day. Excuse me? <laughs> Where the kindness of his heart is, you look beautiful today. And so honor helps to demolish that. And, and we need it in a house like this. This is a house where we equip people. We want, we want people to walk in their giftings. So in that, when we honor, we're not going to be like, who are you? Okay. We actually get to receive from the giftings. So it's a very important thing. 
So one of the big biblical principles is honor. We honor up, we honor down, we honor all around. And what comes with honor? Blessings, rewards. Who doesn't like that? I like that. Okay, another one that we're going to go over now is unity. So Psalms 133. That's right, Bethany. Verse 1 through 3. That girl's a miracle right there. She's amazing. Yes. Let's see here. I wanted it to be in... Yep, got it. In the ESV. So in the ESV, it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's good and pleasant when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard and on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So when there is unity... It commands a blessing and brings life forevermore. That sounds nice. But it shows the importance of it. And when you see blessings like this and principles like this, they're tested. So you can see that in unity, and we know that as a body, as believers that are all very different, God's blessing for us is unity. And in it, there will be blessings and there's life. But if there's not unity, there's not blessings and there's not life. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord hates. Let's listen. No seven. Um, one of the things, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. So let's go over those one more time, Karen. Pretty please. So there are six things the Lord hates. There are seven things that he detests. And that would be haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent. So that kind of makes me think that it would make a lot of sense if we have abortion laws and we fight for pro-life. A heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. So it's very clear biblically we share these things because God cares, and he puts us in here for our safety and our protection. So he's saying, hey, disunity and actually sowing discord, that's something the Lord detests. But what he does love and he blesses is unity, and in that is the promise of life and life forevermore. So it's very important that we as believers, we let that pierce us, and we walk in the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, right? It is. So these aren't to be like, 
here's a tough message for you. This is, hey, God cares. He's a good dad, and he tells us. And that's the heart posture that we need to have with the Lord. He doesn't just all of a sudden surprise us, and we're like, what? You set me up for failure. No, he sets us up for success because his plans are to prosper us and to give us a future and a hope. So we know that we need to fight for unity, right? As a body of believers, as disciples, we're to fight for unity because we will see his blessings and his life come through. Romans 16, verse 17, so this would be this would be in the New Testament, which is, I might do it in New King James, sis. We can do that. Okay. And now, I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. Stay away from them. So let me see here. I'm going to do that in the New King James Version because I prefer it there. So thank you for having patience with me for a moment. But it's, oh, yeah, you're amazing. Now I urge you, brethren, note those, mark those who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you've been learned, and avoid them. So once again, this shows the importance of those that are causing division and offenses. And the Bible says to mark, to mark, to take note, and to avoid. So the Bible is really clear about division, am I right? We know that. It's very clear. And why is it clear? Because it's the enemy's attempt to try to distract us and keep us from unity. Because he knows that where there's unity, there's blessings, there's life, there's goodness, there's his promises. And so, of course, he tries to sneak in some way and bring division. It's not a new trick. You know, it's an old tactic. And what are things that can cause division? I'd say bitterness and offense. It's a huge thing that can cause division. I'll just say, I've grown up in this church for, we're getting close to 30 years now, 29 years, come on. Been able, I've been highly blessed to be able to be on the staff, on the pastoral staff for the past nine years. So I've seen a thing or two. I'm young. I haven't seen all the things, obviously, but I've seen a thing or two because I've sat under my grandparents who pastored. I've sat under my parents who pastored. I've heard a lot of things that happen in church. And one of the biggest things that happens is bitterness and offense. It tries to sneak in and distract us from what the Lord is really doing. And so that's why I'm bringing this because God cares. He cares about his people. And so he tells us these things so that we don't fall into those traps. Because it, it's easy to do that. So Hebrews 12, verses 14 through 15. Work. So what do we do to kill bitterness and division? We work at living in peace with everyone. 
and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Verse 15, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you and corrupt many. This verse, I was out and I was pulling up goat heads. And I'm like, Lord, it makes sense. Don't let a root of bitterness grow up because it will corrupt many. Have you, have you, who knows what goat heads are? If you live in Idaho, you probably do by now. They are from the devil. I don't understand. That's one of those where you're like, Jesus, I don't know how that, that had to have come after the fall. I just don't understand. I don't know any good thing that comes from them. But when you pull them suckers up, if one of those pokies falls, it's going to make a whole nother plant. So it's important that you make sure that you clean up the mess, right? So it's really important because have you stepped on one of those? It hurts. You're way worse than a Lego because it, it leaves a little poison and it aches. I had a sliver of one in my finger. It was terrible. It was so bad and I had to pull that out because the poison hurt. It was throbbing. But that's what bitterness is. That's exactly what it does because in it, we start to all of a sudden, we have bitterness and then we have an offense and then we start to get mad at people and we start to see them the wrong way and we forget about honor and we forget about unity. And then we sometimes let our, our bitterness and our rights that we think we have, but actually when we came into Christ, we gave up our rights, which I have to remind myself that. I'll just say like in our staff, we have a very unique team. We're all very different. And in that, a lot of time you got to give up your rights and you go, yeah, we don't have to do it my way. You're right. That way is better. Good job. But in that, it's just so important that we don't let that, because it's flesh, don't let emotions and being mad make it to where we want someone else to justify how we feel. Because that's the biggest temptation. We could say that we've all experienced that. If someone does something to me, one of your reactions a lot of the time, at least for myself, is I want to go to someone and say, Val, this is what happened. And I want her to justify me and my emotions. But as I do that, now Fallon is going to have the perspective that I just came in of that person, which is not good. So I'm like, I'm feeling bitter. Let me just jab you with a little bit of my bitterness, put it in you, and then we're both going to be bitter and upset. Let's just do it. It's terrible, right? So it shows how important it is. But this is, it's nothing new. Like it's nothing new at all, but it's so important. And God is so clear about what we do to avoid that. So we want to get that goat head up and we want to clean up the mess with it. So be careful what we speak. So what does that mean for us? That means we as believers, we watch our tongue. That means if I'm feeling frustrated, slow to speak. Lord, what are you really saying? Seek first to understand and then to be understood. How do we practically walk these things out? We have to shut the flesh up and then listen to the Holy Spirit 
And then he leads us and guides us into truth. Another way is to go and talk to the person. Hey, when you said this, this is kind of how I felt. Can you explain what you meant? Because in that, most of the time, our frustrations we have, it's because we've built something up in our head. And the other person, vast majority of the time, probably didn't really mean that. At least when you do conflict resolution, that's generally the case. Right? And if, and if they did mean it, you get to be reconciled together. There's forgiveness. So an important thing for us, we as mature believers, seek first to understand and then to be understood. Take time to let the flesh slow down. I know for myself, if I get mad, I can feel myself getting hot. I'm like, simmer. Which is a lot easier said than done. Proof, my dad, he knows this. He was my coach in basketball, which I'm going to get to this later. But you need shepherds and you need mentors in your life. Because one time in basketball, this was like AAU league, so you'd play the same teams a lot. You knew each other very well. There's this girl. Me and her were friends. We're friends to this day, but we were rivals in sports. And I stole the ball from her. I'm going on a fast break. She comes behind me and shoves me. And I turn around. I got red. Like I felt the heat come, fist in hand, coming. But praise God, I have a shepherd, a dad, who's sitting on the sidelines, Christy Lynn. Christy Lynn, come to remember. And there was no fight that happened. Thank you, Jesus. But he's a good dad, so he goes, don't do that. He knew my weaknesses. He knew me well enough to be like, hey, uh-uh. And in the house of God, that's what we need. You know, as people, we need it. We absolutely do. Just a few verses about this. Proverbs 16, 28. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife, and gossip separates the best of friends. We don't want gossip. It can absolutely, I've seen it time and time again. I've experienced it, been a part of it. I'm saying this because it's for all of us, because these are temptations that come against. So gossip absolutely can separate the best of friends. In Proverbs 18, 21, it talks about the power of life and death is in the tongue, and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Those who love it will eat its fruit. So we have to realize when we're speaking, we can speak life or we can speak death. So it's really important to tame our tongue. And it's a life skill that we're going to walk with the Holy Spirit every single day to learn how to do it. Right? Okay, so how do we avoid causing division? We watch our tongue, we listen, we seek to understand. We as mature believers do this, right? Because we want those that are coming from the outside who don't know Jesus to come into a place that's actually unified. We don't want them to come into Gossip Central because that's what they got in the world. So we as believers, we want to be a good example. So Ephesians 4, 29 through 32 in the New King James Version for this one, sis. Karen's such a champ. I've had so many verses for her. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is, what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God 
by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. So, we want to be intentional with what we speak. Are my words actually releasing grace to people? Are they releasing life? If they're not, should I say it? And be tenderhearted, be kind. But I think the biggest thing, one of the huge things for us to catch here is forgive. Forgive one another. Clean up our messes. I think sometimes in Christianity, we kind of forget that whole process that it looks like going up to someone. Um, If I was speaking sharp, here's a tendency that I know for myself. If I'm stressed, feeling high-pressured, I can be someone who speaks sharply and just can be like, here, da-da-da-da-da, and go. I know it's a tendency. I'm working on that. But in that, if I do it, the Holy Spirit is kind to convict me. He does convict. And my responsibility as a believer is then to go to that person and say, hey, I'm sorry. I was really kind of stressed when I said that, and I, let, I took that out on you. Will you please forgive me? And what happens then? There's unity, and then there's a blessing. So this is a really simple message, but it's important for us to walk this out and for us as believers to to guard this because we want the blessings of God and we don't want to hurt people along the way. That's how people have a lot of church hurts because a lot of time we just don't clean up our messes. So this next part, I'm going to talk about the blessings of being planted in the house of God. So in Psalms 92, verses 12 through 15 in the New King James Version, it says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. What's your promise if you're planted? We'll go back to that one. You'll flourish in the house of our God. So for me, that goes, oh, if I stay planted, I'm going to flourish. They shall still bear fruit in old age, and they shall be fresh and flourishing. To declare that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him at all. So when we're planted in the house of the God, and we're planted in the house of the Lord, we're going to flourish in his courts. That's wonderful. But what's the other promise that came with it? You'll be fruitful in your old age. Come on. I want that. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be fruitful in my old age. And I've seen it time and time again. My grandparents, they've been planted in the house of the Lord. If you walk out in our lobby and you look up top, that verse is actually, it's up on the second, the, balcony area, but it's a promise. My grandparents, they're seeing fruit. They're going after it. They, my papa, he preached a few weeks ago. Praise God. We get, there's so many people. You can see my Aunt Betty, she's a little firecracker. She's about to go preach to the, go in the prisons again. She's 
It's amazing. She's like, I'm planning this concert. I'm going to go preach here. I'm going to do this. You're seeing more fruit now probably than ever before. She's bearing fruit. It's beautiful. But these are the promised blessings that God has for us. When you are planted, this gets to be your portion. So in Ephesians 3, which is encouraging, I use that as a declaration. All right, Ephesians 3, verses 8. Sometimes the southern accent comes out a tiny bit. All right, Ephesians 3, verses 8. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. That should make you lean in, right? It was kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all of this was to use the was to use the, you got to say it like you mean it. Use the, yes, to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all of the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So what's God's plan to display his wisdom? The church. It's been his plan. It wasn't man's plan. God's eternal plan was to use the church to display his wisdom. In other translations, it says his manifold wisdom. You know, as I, was just, as I was describing the church throughout the week, where it's like, yeah, we have little kindergartners, and then we have deliverance going on, and we have every other thing going on at the same time, that's a way that the Lord's like, these are all different. We have evangelists, pastors, teachers, prophets, and they all are different, but they flow into unity together under one vision, and in that, God displays his rich wisdom. It's amazing. It's wild. Only the Lord could do it. Only he could, because it's a pretty wild thing to think about the different people that he pulls together, the personalities, and he uses us together. <laughs> In a wild way, that's when you know only God. That displays wisdom. And it's his sucker punch to the devil, to the pr evil principalities. He goes, yep, here's my glorious church. She's my plan. which means that we should get excited about being planted. For me, when I hear that, I'm like, yes, I want to be planted. That's how the Lord wants to display his wisdom. It's a beautiful thing. When you see his heart, his plans. So verse 16, we'll go down there. When I think of all this, verse 14, sorry, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ that was too great to understand fully. 
Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Through this church, we want God to get glory. We do. And when I say that, I'm not just saying a building. That means we're people. We're the church. So we're saying with us, in us, we want him to get glory. We want to be an example. We want to show what unity looks like, what peace looks like, what it looks like to love, to honor well, what it looks like to restore people, to see the broken healed. That's what we want to do. We want to bring Jesus an offering saying, you're worthy of the suffering you paid for. So a few things here. Ephesians 5, we'll start rolling quicker, sorry. 1 through 2. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love. Follow the example of Christ. He loved us, and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. I'm just going to keep reading because it's good. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled for those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey. So don't participate in the things that these people do. For you once were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. So carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Those are good reminder verses for us. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Okay, here's the verse I was going to get to now. Ready? So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your heart. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's keep going. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Other translations say, out of the fear of the Lord. So that's, oh, okay. We're going to submit to one another out of fear of the Lord. For wives, 
I'm in that category now. Thank you, Jesus. This means submit to your husband as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church, and the church submits to Christ. So you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, babe, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. So in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So some people have taken this verse and gone obviously on their own ways. But when you take this from the heart of a loving father who has biblical principles that equal blessing, I'm like, yeah, I want to be under your covering. Yeah, I want to submit to you. Because what happens? He's saying it's just the exact same example of Christ giving himself. There's a washing. There's a cleansing. And I tell you what, being married, there has been a, a washing and a cleansing and a crushing, and it's good because I'm learning to submit to my husband, and he's learning how to love me. And in the process, we're two different people that now become one. And in that, there are little things that come up, like I have to check in with him to do stuff which was a learning curve, but it's beautiful because it's brought the most precious unity and there's such giftings in it. There is such a beautiful blessing in biblical principles. It's wonderful. I love to be under his covering. I'm safe. That's why I have my husband come pray for me because in it, I'm covered. I'm protected and he takes care of me. He loves me. He's really easy to submit to because he lives out his portion, which is to, to provide for me, to care for me, to love me. And it's a beautiful example. And there have been many times in our relationship where I've realized, man, Jesus, you love me so much. And these are the blessings that the Lord wants for us. So we want to submit to one another out of fear of the Lord. So blessings of covering and submitting. I was talking with a really wise couple this week, and she shared to me, she shared someone, she said, it's really easy to be a wonderful Christian when you're by yourself in your prayer closet. But when it's really tested is when you choose to walk in community with believers. I was like, Amen. Because when we're by ourselves in our prayer closet, it's easy peasy. But when we come and we choose to walk in community, we choose to be plugged into a house, all of a sudden we're tested. You know, our heart gets tested, our motives gets tested, our character is tested. 
do I really want to submit? I don't agree with you. You know, those things, they come to the surface. If I, am I, am I actually going to seek to understand? Or do I just want to hold on to my offense? When I choose to come into community, all that stuff comes to the surface, which when I'm just by myself, it doesn't get tested. I don't get poked. You know, it's just me. But when I'm with people, I get squeezed in a different way. And that's when Jesus gets to make us bigger and better and like him. Because he takes the junk off of us. And it's a mysterious, beautiful thing, but it's his intention. He chooses to use people who all have different experiences, background, and we get to sharpen each other. And it's a miracle, and the world doesn't understand it. And then they come in, and they go, yeah, only Jesus could do that. So that's why you can see time and time again, talks about how important it is to fight for the unity of the faith. Don't cause division. To walk humbly. It's to say that I'm going to be planted in a house, there is a crushing that will take place. It's beautiful because I'm going to have people that are going to see my blind spots and they're going to call me out in love and I get to walk in righteousness instead. Something as being a younger sibling and being a pastor's kid, I just got to watch a lot. Got to see a lot of situations. And I remember telling my parents, I was like, I'm going to know that I know that I know that I chose the right person to marry because the Lord's going to tell you and there'll be total peace about it. And if not, and you correct me, I will listen. Because I saw a lot of people that got lonely, married the wrong person, and it was really sad. So I told my parents, I will listen. And there was a time that came up where someone different came into the picture for a moment. And there were red flags, but I pushed them down, you know? And then my dad, he goes, hey, Christy Lynn, do you remember when you said you would know that you would know because you would listen? Like, yeah. He's like, you're not doing that. And I was like, and the second he said that, every red flag was like, it was like that blinder that I had just got removed so quickly. And in that, and I instead was like, oh God, thank you for protecting me. You spared me. And then when my amazing husband came into the picture, it was like, yes, praise Jesus. There was peace. Everyone knew. And there's the blessing of the Lord. But what that shows is the beauty of coming under covering. Like when you come into a family and a house and you position yourself as a son or a daughter, you're saying, hey, I want you to see my blind spots, but when you call them out, it's for my safety. So it's good. It's good. Because we as people can, like I said, I knew, but I pushed it down. And that happens to us often. So it's important for us to come in and say, hey, I want you to call out my blind spots. I want that because I know that it's going to keep me on the straight and narrow and align me for the blessings that God has. Being planted also, when you when we talk about being planted in a church, it allows you to be a part of something much bigger than yourself. Much bigger. We've stepped into this house, you know, this church here. We didn't build it, right? No, my grandpa, he pictured it, he saw it, he drew it out. And in that, he's created 
this, you know, beautiful facility, and we have joined in with generations that have contended, that have gone after the Lord, and now we have breakthroughs that they probably didn't have 30 years ago. So when you plant yourself in a house, you are saying, I am here, I am here for something much bigger than myself, my agenda. This is the Lord's glory, His work, and it's going to go for generations and generations and generations. This church will be here long after my life, and it's going to go on. You know, my great-grandpa, he, he was a part of this church. He's not here. He's part of the great cloud of witnesses. I have many people that have been in my life in this church that are part of the great cloud of witnesses now, and I get to walk out things that they fought for. I get to take the mantle and run with it. And then guess what? The next generation, they're going to run way further. So being planted allows you to be part of something so much bigger than yourself, an eternal purpose, God's church to display his wisdom. It's an honor. It's a wonderful honor. And just one thing I'd say is, another thing when we talk about things come out in community, is there's a reality that isolation breeds deception. When you're by yourself, it's easy to believe lies. Things that aren't really true, but sure, they feel true. I'm by myself. Then you come in and you're like, oh, that's not true. That's one of the other safe parts of community, of being a part of a body. All right, here's another one real quick. Hebrews 12, 1 through 14. It'll be in the New Living. Hebrews. All right, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor at God's throne. Let's go down, verse 5. Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. Don't make light of his discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one as he accepts his own child. As you endure this divine discipline, Remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are an illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline... Take this. God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Didn't feel good when my dad said, you're not listening. I remember my flesh was like, "Mm, I know you're right. Ah, 
I literally was like, I remember that moment. I'm like, you're right. I just need a moment. Because my flesh was like, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands, strengthen your weak knees, mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but will become strong. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not will not see the Lord. We shared that earlier. But this is the reminder for us as kids, as God's kids, that when we get disciplined, I go, praise the Lord, shows I'm his child. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. I have to remind myself, it's like, it's good for me because the fruit is gonna be righteousness and holiness. And he's a good dad who cares. My dad, good dad, cared for me. Christy Lynn, you're not listening. Thank you, spared me. A good dad's gonna tell you if you're running out to the street, he's gonna go, don't do that. because he cares. That's why in Psalms 23, it says his rod and your staff, they comfort me. Because when he brings his correction, he goes, hey, oh, bring it in. That's dangerous there. Oh, that's dangerous there too. He leads us in paths of righteousness. So as Christians, we get to walk humbly. We get to own our messes, clean them up, repent, and we keep going and we keep growing. It's important that we remember that. We mess up, own it. If you need a little correction, own it. Clean up the mess, repent. It's washed, keep going and keep growing. That's where we get hung up sometimes. It's really simple. It's very, very simple. All right, here's another promise for you parents. Raise up a child in the way they should go. And when they're older, they won't depart. So parents, when you're in the thick of it, remember, you're doing it. They're not going to depart when they're older. That's the Lord's promise to you. All right, let's go ahead. Let's stand up. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. You want to hear the God's will for your life? Do you like to hear it? Because I do. Here's God's will. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. What's God's will for us? Always be joyful. Never stop praying and be thankful in all circumstances. So I've reminded myself that. What's God's will for my life? Be joyful. Never stop praying and give thanks. That's his will. So he's a good dad who cares. He has set us up for success. He has. He's kind. He's a good shepherd who covers us because he cares. He wants us to walk in holiness and righteousness. And he wants to use the church to display his wisdom. 
So in this, I would encourage each of us as a body, as a house where God's doing beautiful things. We're seeing the Lord do the most wonderful, miraculous things. As mature sons and daughters, let's take this and let's own this for each of us. It's a word for all of us. We want to own this. We want to love well. We want to fight for unity. We want to honor each other well. We want to walk in unity and see the blessing of God in his life. We want to see that, that those who are planted, you're going to flourish. You're going to bear fruit in old age. When me and Ryan, when we're old, we're going to be so fruitful in the Lord. Praise God. It's true. These are the beautiful blessings that God has for his children. And so, Lord, we just thank you that we get to be a part of your family and a part of your house and what you are doing. Thank you that it's so much bigger than us, that this has been your eternal plan. And thank you that we get to be a part of your story. We really do get to be a part of your story. And so I just pray that you would give us clean hands, pure hearts. I, I pray that you would baptize us with fresh love, Lord fresh love, that you would bind us together in love and in peace, Jesus, that we would walk in a culture of honor, that we would be able to build people up, that the, the lost could come in and be restored here. Lord, we, we want to strengthen each other. We want to be iron sharpening iron, truly running after you together, stronger and stronger, Lord. So Holy Spirit, I pray, I, I thank you for your conviction that you bring for us and I pray if there are any messes that we need to clean up, that you would just bring that. That you would just show us those and that we would be quick to respond in obedience out of fear of the Lord, wanting to partner with what you're doing. Thank you that we get to be here for such a time as this. And thank you that you care. Thank you so much that you care about us. And you want us to walk in safety with you. verse that I just want to share again. Be Ephesians 4. Verse 2, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other. So thank you, Lord, for helping us to grow in patience, making allowance for each other's faults because of our love. So thank you again for baptizing us in love. And make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for binding us together with peace. Binding us together with peace.
So we love you. We say yes to your heart and your plans. And thank you for being a good dad who cares about us. So I pray that you would bless each person here. But as they go home, I thank you for an overflow in families, of restoring families, binding families together with peace. Thank you for friendships that are about to be restored. What I believe the Lord is doing and he's saying is that he, he's a God of restoration and he's about to move in the most beautiful ways of restoration, that friendships are going to be restored, that marriages are going to be restored, that families are going to be restored, and he's given us the keys. And that's what I feel like the Lord is saying. He's like, I've given you the keys and he's commissioning us to walk this out and to see the greatest miracles yet. So Lord, we thank you and we say yes. We say yes in your beautiful name, Jesus. So I encourage each of us. This is something the Lord has done so much to me in this season where he's just giving these little nudges. And, I, and the Bible also says to be, if your brother has ought against you, to go and be reconciled to them. So that doesn't necessarily mean if if you have something against them, but if you know something, someone has something against you to be reconciled. And there are many messes I've had to clean up this year. And I know it's the Lord's kindness and him saying, hey, I care about this. So find the person, say, I'm sorry, ask for forgiveness and watch as the Lord's goodness, just, just like Blake shared last week, when he forgave his father, what happened that God restored that relationship to what it was really created to be and the blessings are flowing. And that's what we're gonna see from generation to generation to generation. So we thank you, Lord. We say yes to your heart and we love you so much. In your beautiful name, Jesus. If we could have our ministry team come up. If, if the Lord's been tugging on your heart throughout this and there's someone you need to be reconciled with, go to them. Do it. If you want to come up here and you need any form of ministry, if you need someone to walk with you through forgiveness, I've had that before too. I went to Barb one time. I was like, Barb, I need to forgive this person, but will you just walk through it with me? And she did. She took my hand and we just walked through it. If you need that, come up. If you need healing in your body, come up. If you want to give your life to Jesus, come up. There's never been a better time. So we just, we bless you in Jesus' name. May his goodness, his grace, and his mercy follow you all the days of your life. Be blessed, ladies. Hopefully see you on Tuesday for our flower picking event as well. But we bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen.